Welcome to the Ring NBA Show. I'm Kevin O'Connor, and this is Draft Class, calling in from Dallas, Texas, as he does every week. It's Ringer staff writer, Jonathan Charks. What's up, guys? Jonathan, how's it going, man? We, we don't have Danny Chow in this week, but we do have some special guests. We have Riley McAtee, who's going to be talking Kings, then Jason Gallagher and David Shoemaker talking Mavericks, and then Tate Frazier on the Hornets, because Charks... The NBA draft is in a couple of weeks, and it's time to talk with some of the fans of these respective teams. Yeah, we can almost taste it. The finals are wrapping up. It's draft season, baby. Hashtag that. I'm pumped. I'm pumped. Or use hashtag RingerNBA if you ever want to chat with us. Uh, we have Isaac Lee producing the pod, as always. How's it going, Isaac? I'm good, man. We're recording this on a Thursday morning. Some news is breaking. We do have an emergency NBA pod that's taping concurrently, and uh, you guys can check that out on the RingerNBA feed. Yeah, Chris Ryan and Justin Verrier are bringing on Ben Dietrich, who broke the Brian Colangelo story on The Ringer last week. They'll be discussing Colangelo's exit from Philadelphia and what's to come. Anyway, let's get to the pod. So DeAndre Ayton, the likely number one pick, worked out for the Phoenix Suns this week, and he pretty much said that he's not working out for anybody else because he thinks he's going number one. Jonathan, is this the likely selection for Phoenix, or should they be looking in other directions? I mean, it certainly seems like it's what they're doing. It's not the pick I would make, but I get it. Like, when you watch DeAndre Ayton for like five minutes, he's just so big and fast, so skilled. I can get what they're doing, so I wouldn't do it personally. What does my thing really matter anyway? Do what you want, Phoenix. DeAndre's great, I'm sure. I think DeAndre Ayton's a tremendous fit, though, for their current situation. You you look at the other players on their, their team. You're not drafting for fit. Let me make that clear. But it just does so happen that he does fill a position of need alongside Devin Booker, who's already going to really handle a lot of the ball handling and playmaking responsibility. Josh Jackson, who can also handle and playmake a little bit. Then even a guy like TJ Warren at forward. I think Aiton, they need a true big, an anchor, a potential anchor on their defense, and someone who can... Potential is definitely the word for that. And that's where Phoenix Suns fans tend to really worry about why are we passing on Luka Doncic here because of the defensive end of the floor, right, Charles? What are the, what are his weaknesses on that end for people who aren't, who aren't familiar with DeAndre Ayton? Uh, I mean, the main thing with DeAndre, like most young big men were really, really talented. He's kind of always gotten by on his physical gift, not unlike reading the defense, knowing coverages, protecting the rim. His rim protection numbers are really, really bad. I'm having this funny right now, but I believe he blocked like half as many shots as Carl Towns, if not fewer. He has like a, one of the lowest rim uh, block percentages in any uh, big time center in the last 10 years coming out of college. And block percentage numbers are pretty stable going from college to the NBA. And obviously blocks aren't that important, but it's just the fact that blocks represent the fact that you're protecting the rim. So I think DeAndre Aiden, he's just going to have to learn to play defense. If he does, they're going to be a great team for a long time. So here's my thing. I, I had an executive text me this week, and he's like, everybody's everybody's talking about Aiton's defense, but they're not talking about how Luka Doncic isn't much of a defender either. Like, that just gets glossed over, it seems. Yeah, but he's not debate. a five, though. Sure, yeah, yes. But with DeAndre Ayton, the thing is, is sure, you would love if he blocked more shots if he were an elite shot blocker. You would love that. But the thing with Carl Towns is that sometimes his hunger for blocking shots is what gets him into, into foul trouble or his team into foul trouble. It pulls him out of position for rebounding, whereas DeAndre Ayton already an elite rebounder for his position, despite playing the four alongside a number five. And he's also shown great mobility 
at least in spurts. He hasn't shown it all the time, which is definitely why he's there's no guarantee he becomes a great defensive player. But I think if you're the Phoenix Suns at the number one pick, DeAndre Ayton has shown everything on the offensive end of the floor. That's why he's a top guy. But if you were nitpicking the defense, I think he's shown enough where in a winning situation where they're competing in playoffs, where they're contending, that's what you would hope for with him. I think he has shown enough to be really good on that end. How would you compare his defense to Davis and Beaton Towns coming out of college? So Davis is on another level. That's for for damn sure. Yeah. Anthony Davis on another level from any of those other guys. From Carl Anthony Towns, with Towns, the question for me out of school was, how much does he improve in terms of reading the floor? Clearly he had the shot-blocking ability at Kentucky, but he also played alongside Willie Cauley-Stein, who was elite on that end of the floor and handled a lot of perimeter responsibilities. Aiton in college is a little bit different than Towns. Everybody seemed to think Towns was going to be good early on. Aiton, they think he's going to stink early on. It could pan out the other way where DeAndre enters the league with a better NBA body, certainly more athletic than Carl Anthony Towns, more muscular. I think he's more mobile. He just doesn't block shots. Uh, I think they're different types of defenders. The question for me with DeAndre Ayton is how consistent will he bring it on the defensive end of the floor? How Will he stay focused? Will he learn the intricacies of positioning? And that's something Carl Anthony Towns still hasn't necessarily done, despite having Kevin Garnett as a mentor, mentor, despite being coached by Tom Thibodeau, despite having Jimmy Butler as a teammate. Those are problems that he still hasn't solved. So for DeAndre Ayton, maybe it'll be more like Joel Embiid, who also had to had improve in some of those areas and has. I think Aiton has shown a willingness to learn, whoa, whoa, and he has whoa, 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 Hold on, hold on. You're saying he's as good as Embiid was? No, I'm not saying that. I'm, I'm saying okay, Joel Embiid okay. had issues with, with positioning, with, with the little intricacies well, You would say Embiid was starting from a much higher point than Aiton on defensive progression. Like, I would rank it Davis, Embiid, Towns, Aiton, one to four on defense, right? Coming out of college. I would agree with that in terms of the ordering of operations, but I do think with Carl Towns, maybe looking back, it's easy to say in hindsight, but maybe a little bit was put into his shot blocking, a little bit much. There, maybe there's a little bit too much value placed on the fact he was just swatting everything around the rim instead of like, oh, why is he actually going for some of these things? It's not going to work in the NBA. Or is he- I guess here's my thing too, though, Kevin. I keep going back to that NCAA tournament game against Buffalo. When my man Jeremy Harris, a 6-7 combo forward, piloting me a professional basketball player, he kept calling out Aiden on switches. He said, our season's on the line. Give me the number one overall pick. I'm about to do this guy up and get him up the entire game. Frankly, it was a little embarrassing. Maybe that'll make Aiden work harder because, like, that, watch that game and tell me you're not worried about his defense. That was embarrassing. We had this debate last year in regards to uh, two forward prospects. I, I just think there, there can sometimes be too much placed on one game or one practice or. I just think you got to project ahead with DeAndre. And yes, there's certainly concern with the defensive end of the floor, but it's not like there isn't also promise with his mobility, promise with his rebounding, which is a very important part of the defensive end of the floor, or the fact that I think he also does a good job of altering shots without fouling too. And that that's a little thing to me. I'm going to put this out there right now. I'm putting it out. Jaron Jackson is going to be a better big man than DeAndre. Like I get passing on Luka for a big man, but I'll take Jaron 10 of 10 over DeAndre Ayton. I don't even care. And that's why you have Jaron Jackson ranked ahead of Ayton, right? 
Yeah. I think it's a bold take for sure. I think DeAndre Ayton, just to turn this around the other way, and that's why he's the number one prospect um, on a lot of people's boards, is because of the offensive end of the floor. Ayton's, Ayton is just, to me, on another level over Jaron Jackson on defense. And I can understand, Charks, you know, why you want the greater certainty on defense, but Ayton's finishing around the rim as a potential lob threat. If you're spreading it out with four shooters and having him just rim run, his potential as a, as a go-to scorer when you need it at the end of the clock his ball handling upside. I think DeAndre Ayton's passing ability is on a far higher level than Jaron Jackson, too. Doesn't mean he'll get there, but there's a chance he's one of the best big men in basketball. That's why he's going number one. I just don't see that with Jaron Jackson. The other question is, what do you think they do at 16 if they take Aiden and one? Think they trade that pick? Think they want to get a veteran? What's their plan at 16 today? I think you've got to be flexible, certainly, in what you're going to be doing in that at that spot. I think adding another Ball handler would be nice if, if you're able to get a more of a, a pure point alongside Devin Booker, maybe like a, a Colin Sexton or a Shea Gilgis Alexander or the guy that I really love in this draft, Elio Okobo. Okobo, right? yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, I like that. Yeah, yeah you, you like Elio Okobo. What, what is it about Okobo that you like? Because a lot of people are like, who the hell is this? I, I'm just like them. I watched his tape for the first time last week. So I'm no expert. I just say, like, he's got good size, really good shooter, competed high level in France. Kevin, you probably watched more than him than I have. Can you go on to a little more what Okobo's strengths are? Yeah, to me, so all all the point guards in this year's draft, Trey Young, Colin Sexton, Shea Gilgeous-Alexander, those are the top three guys that are mentioned a lot in the lottery. Elio Okobo is a 20-year-old point guard from France, and to me, he's not that, that far separated from that top-tiered group. I can see that. He might even be better than a couple of them if we had more it's exposure possible, to him. Yeah. I think with him, he's somebody who grew up playing the two guard. He's still learning the point guard position. But this season playing in France, he has made significant progress as a ball handler and as a passer. But you're not getting him for that. If you if you draft Okobo, you're drafting him to be a scoring guard who complements. He can complement with his passing because he's not... He's not going to be your lead scoring guy. He's not going to be your lead ball handler. But he does a little bit of everything. He's intense, good athlete, smart off the ball. He can shoot off the catch. He can shoot off the dribble. He has a nice little step back. It's it's pretty clear to me, and we have a note about this in the Ringer Draft Guide. It looks like sometimes he's trying to mimic James Harden. I would guess Harden's probably a guy that is one of his favorite players yeah, just in some of the moves. Yeah, no doubt about it. That's, that's the guy you want to be in today's league uh, as a James Harden type. I think Okobo... If he falls to the back of the first round, easy steal potential. But I think he ends up being somewhere towards the middle. Yeah. Uh, I guess it's worth pointing out, so the game that put Okobo on the map for real, it happened in the French playoffs maybe like two weeks ago. He dropped 44 points on Aaron Kraft, who our college fans will remember well as Mr. Grit himself. I guess you could say he's a smaller Matthew Belladova. And he dropped 44 on Kraft. It looked almost Trey Young-esque. I was talking to a scout overseas, a French scout. He told me, Okobo is the most accomplished young French player. Not in terms of like skill, but in terms of what he's done in the French league for coming to the league, the most accomplished young French player in like the last 15, 20 years. The thing I love about him is just his intensity on the floor sometimes too. I love watching Okobo play. I do think there's some defensive questions with him, but not quite as much as someone like Trey Young, who is just a total yeah. sieve on the defensive end of the floor. Okobo's got good size at 6'3", good strength. Uh, I think there's room in his frame to get even stronger, too, without uh, compromising any of his quickness either. I think Okobo, there's a, at least a chance he's the best point guard in the draft. Uh, he's not okay, gonna... Casey, I got, a, I got a point guard take for you. Okay. I'm saying SGA, the best point guard in the draft. 
Fair. I went with my man Shea Gilders. I would love to argue with you about it, Charks, but I'm right on the fence. I got Trey Young ranked ninth, Shea Gilders Alexander ranked tenth. So like they're neck and neck in the same tier. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't argue with that at all, Charks, because here's the thing: Gilders Alexander is somebody who at six foot six with near seven foot wingspan, he can defend. He can defend, but also provide complementary offense, right? Yeah, I mean, he's just a really smart player. He's like my fit. Besides Zaire Smith, who's a whole different animal in terms of athletic ability, SGA is probably my favorite player to watch in this year's draft. He's just such a smart player. He finds cracks. He's so smooth. He gets where he wants to go. He's not an elite athlete, but he just knows how to play basketball. I just love pretty much making Kentucky his team this year. So he was a four-star recruit. He was their lowest-rated recruit. He was coming off the bench the start of the season. He was like their eighth and ninth man. And he's like, yo, guys, I'm the best player. And everyone else is kind of like, you know what, dude, you kind of are. This is your team. Like, Kentucky's got a lot of guys who lost swag on their team. You know they respect his game. They're like, you know what, man, we're taking a step back. It's your team. We're going to compliment you. Like, this guy can play basketball at a really, really high level. He's going to be really fun to watch. And I'm excited to see where he goes in the draft this year. And that's represented in your new rankings on the Ringers 2018 NBA Draft Guide. We updated that this week. Uh, me, Danny Chow, and Charks all updated our rankings. We also updated the mock draft and had four new scouting reports of guys to fill in the blanks of the people who dropped out of the draft. So check that out at nbadraft.theringer.com. So we're going to take a quick break here before we bring in our Ringer staffers to talk about the Kings, the Mavericks, and the Hornets. But first, a break to hear from our sponsors. Today's Ringer NBA show, Draft Class, is brought to you by Michelin. Whether your tires are newer or worn, you should have the confidence to get where you need to be. That's why Michelin designed the Michelin Premier Tires with worn performance in mind. Michelin Premier Tires are built to maintain wet braking performance throughout the life of the tire. Get there no matter the weather thanks to Michelin Premier Tires' Evergrip technology, which helps maintain wet braking performance even as your tires wear. And now you can compare the Michelin Premier all-season tires worn tire braking versus leading competitors at michelinman.com slash long-lasting performance. Draft Class is also brought to you by Sonos. Shortly after moving to Los Angeles, Sonos sent me one of their Sonos play bases and a Sonos One speaker, and I've hooked that up. And ever since then, my TV and music and podcast listening experience has changed because they have this really, really cool app that you're able to use and just flip between TV to podcast. So I can be watching the NBA playoffs and then listen to music at the same time through the Sonos Playbase speakers. It's amazing. I love it. When I'm in, my, in the kitchen cooking breakfast, I'll just have the app change to music or podcast, whatever I want to do. I want to listen to Bill Simmons, I can listen to Bill Simmons. If I want to listen to the new Licky Lee album, I can do that right through the app or using my voice. It's dope. I love it. It sounds amazing. And with Father's Day coming up, Sonos and Spotify have you covered. Go to fathersday.sonos.com and get a code for 15% off when you create a custom Spotify playlist you can send to dad. Simply select your favorite artist in the year you were born, then do the same for dad. And bam, Spotify will generate the perfect playlist to bridge the generation gap. Go to fathersday.sonos.com and get 15% off when you create your playlist. The playlist generator expires June 17th and terms and conditions apply. And now let's bring on our Residence King fan, Riley McAtee. We're back from the break, and now we have, making his Ringer podcast debut, it's assistant editor Riley McAtee. What's going on, Riley? What's up? How you doing, man? So, Riley, you're a Kings fan. Sacramento Kings, number two pick in the draft. You must be stoked. I'm really excited. We've never been this high of a pick in my lifetime, at least, so 
It's awesome. Are you at all nervous about Sacramento having this pick in the draft because of some of their recent draft blunders at all? Or are you feeling are you just feeling hype because of all the potential possibilities at number two? It's impossible to not be a little nervous, especially with all the rumors and everything. But it's such a great draft to be at number two. There are at least two, it feels like, blue chip, great, great guys. So I'm hoping we get one of those two, but you never know. Charks, you and I just talked about DeAndre Ayton likely going number one of the, to the Phoenix Suns. That means Luka Doncic will be on the table at number two. Um, Charks, do you think Luka should be the selection there for the Sacramento Kings? I would love to see Luka in Sacramento. But Riley, what do you think if Luka says, I don't want to play there? Would you still take him anyways? I'd take him anyways. I'd be like, I'll call your bluff. I like it. So even if Luka's camp were like, you know what? We don't want the Kings. You know, we'd rather have somewhere else. You still would would want to take that that risk, knowing that he doesn't really want to be there. Like, so when free agency comes up for a, a couple of years from now, he might want to bounce. You know, we'll we'll convince him. We'll take him to Tahoe. We'll be like, look at how beautiful Northern California is, and he'll be like, wow, I love this place. And, and I think that's part of it. I think I think you're you're right, Riley. Where if Luca's camp did happen to not want Sacramento. You need to bring him in, like make it a winning situation because Sacramento has had really, really good fans for a long time when the team's winning, right? Yeah, the fans in Sacramento are great. I mean, they're really, truly fantastic. Obviously, I'm deeply biased with this answer, but uh, (laughs) I I do think he'll find a home in Zach. How do you like the fit with the Aaron Fox if they did take Luka Doncic? Do you worry about too many cooks, you know, too many ball handlers at all? I don't worry about that so much because I think that Doncic is a guy who you can just kind of hand the keys to. And Fox, I love Fox, but he hasn't really flashed that as a rookie. I mean, maybe he'll become that guy, but I just think that worrying about the fit is kind of overthinking it. You just want to take the best player, get talent on the floor, and then figure it out later. I totally agree that you can't worry about that. You got to take the best player available, the guy that you think is going to change your franchise. But with that said, Charks, if you did take Luka, and it did become a little bit of an issue where maybe Fox never develops into the off-ball shooter that he needs to in order to make that work like it can, do you think Fox is somebody that you would try to flip, maybe even early, try to get another draft pick for someone like him? I think so. I think with draft picks, like, Riley remembers Thomas Robinson. If you foul on a guy, (laughs) Riley's shaking his head, rolling his eyes. (laughs) He looks sick to his stomach. He wants to leave now. Don't even speak that name. (laughs) Riley, (laughs) so what's your worst case scenario? What what is something you don't want to see happen on this draft night? Well, Bill threw out the um, Mo Bamba in Slack the other day, and that, like, I broke out into hives just thinking about that. Why does everybody hate Mo Bamba? Just not at number two. Uh, <laughs> Michael Porter would make me really nervous. I just do not want to mess around with a back industry. Oh, scary. At number two, mm. when there's so much other talent in this draft. Yeah, I mean, Porter, I think you would have to hope that they draft Porter. It's because their doctors said that it is going to work out. Like, we really trust his back. It's all good. They're not going to do it unless their doctors give him a thumbs up, I think. And I guess they did draft Harry Giles last year. We talked about this in Slack yesterday, Charles. I just don't think Harry Giles with a 20th pick is a risk. I don't think Papa Giannis at 13 is a risk either. I think Papa Giannis is a risk. I don't know, man. 13th pick. You get a good player at 13. That was a risk. The thing about Papa Giannis is none of the other players that were in that range have amounted to anything. Exactly. And we got him in a trade where we also got the rights to Bogdan Bogdanovich, and he just had a good year for us. For sure. I think Love you know, like after Papa Giannis, 14, Denzel Valentine, Juan Hernan Gomez, Gershon Yebuselli, Wade Baldwin, Henry Ellison, Malik Beasley, the next good player that was drafted, Karis LeVert at 20, and he wasn't even in the conversation at 13. So I look at that, not really a risk at 13. It was a, 
calculated. It was like a gamble. Yeah, yeah. It was a little gamble. I mean, a guy that they liked more than other teams did. Kevin, yeah. they waved him though. They yeah, they, they waved him at yeah, the end. They waved Papayanis because he stinks. But <laughs> taking the selection at thirteen wasn't necessarily a risk. He just turned out to be lazier and worse than they expected. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on. Isn't that the definition of a risk? Like, no. That's like the definition. <laughs> no, because because they they viewed... I can't believe I'm defending the Kings drafting Papianatis. <laughs> I know, we got him in the corner now. It's, we got him in the corner. <laughs> but I just don't... Maybe my risk threshold is completely different than yours, but I just don't think Harry Giles at 20, a guy who was ranked the number one high school prospect, is a risk at 20. I don't think Papayanis in a draft where there wasn't a lot of high-end talent available at that point is a risk. I, I think it would be a risk if you took Papayanis with the fifth pick. It was a risk for the Suns to take Dragon Bender in a year where he was so raw physically and with the skills ahead of guys like Chris Dunn, Buddy Hill, Jamal Murray. That was a risk. I think Bender. I guess speaking of Buddy, Riley, what do you think about Buddy and the rest of these young guys? Who do you like on this team right now going forward? That's like your young core of the future. I like Buddy a lot. He was definitely good as a sixth man for us. He kind of struggled at the beginning of the year when he was starting, and then we brought him off the bench, and he was like this great spark He's plug. one of the best three-point shooters in the league for a while. Yeah, I, he definitely has a off future. Screens, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure. Um, I like him a lot. Uh, to go back to the Papianis thing, it's like I agree with you, Charks, that that was a risk. But it was also a risk where they moved back in the draft and they got other guys. And the same thing is true with Harry Giles. So it's like they're not afraid to take risks, but they haven't done one where they put all of their eggs in one basket. And taking like a Michael Porter (sighs) or someone else at number two would be like, all right, we're all in. They haven't done that. They haven't moved all their chips on the table at once. Riley, yeah. what would be your ideal starting five next year? Like That's that's like the best case scenario. Who's your starting five? Let's say Harry Giles, if he becomes something— um, oh, I like it. Fox. I'm not sure if I'd start Bogdanovich or bring him off the bench and have Buddy start, but I guess we'll we'll say Bogdanovich has the job right now. Doncic, and then I'm not sure about the power forward position. Might the, be something for free agency. Speaking about power forward, the one name we have not uttered yet somehow, the guy that I think they're going to end up drafting, Marvin Bagley. Oh my god. You sound you sound concerned. Uh are you not a fan of Marvin Bagley? A lot of people love Marvin Bagley. They view him as like a 20 and 10 guy, elite rebounder, can get buckets. You don't see him quite as high, right? A lot of people, you mean Chris Vernon. <laughs> yeah, Chris Chris Vernon, <laughs> uh, uh, host of uh, Tuesday's Ringer NBA show, loves, loves, loves Marvin Bagley. I'm really worried about drafting a big man who doesn't project as a rim defender. Mm. And so if they want to go with a, a big, I would go with Jaron Jackson. I like his game a lot. Shops I know he doesn't. Hey, team Jaron. <laughs> He doesn't. He maybe doesn't have like the same immediate star power that you see, mm-hmm. but I just love his skill set more than I like Bagley's. Charks, I know you're nodding your head right now, aren't you? I'm hashtagging that Team Jaron. Get out there. <laughs> All yeah, right. uh, I do think um, Bagley is probably the rookie of the year. I feel like though, back in that, he put up he put up really big stats right away. I think that's probably the selling point. We've had a rookie of the year who put up big stats right away in Tyree Tyree Gibbons, Gibbons. and that did not work out for us. (laughs) You know, I I think if you're Sacramento, and let's just say hypothetically the choice is between Jaron Jackson and Marvin Bagley. Let's say Luke is not on the table. For whatever reason, he's just not. Maybe they don't view him as highly as others do. Maybe he doesn't want them. Maybe it's both. They just Luke is not on the table, theoretically. It's Marvin Bagley versus Jaron Jackson. If you're Sacramento, Marvin Bagley is the guy who can help you immediately, who can push you closer to the playoffs. But Jaron Jackson, as you guys both mentioned, is certainly the guy who provides greater certainty long-term on the defensive end of the floor. 
But I don't know if you're going to get that immediate return. Riley, do you think Sacramento Kings fans would be able to deal mentally or the front office is in a position where they can take a short-term hit where Jackson isn't making a big impact early, but Marvin Bagley is somewhere else putting up 20 and 10 rookie of the year numbers. Can the Kings front office deal with that? Can Kings fans be patient enough to deal with that potential possibility between Jackson or, or Bagley? I think that fans could be patient enough, but it would be really tough, particularly because we don't have our pick next year. I just think if you want the immediate impact, draft Doncic. That's the guy who's going to give you the immediate impact. He's the MVP of the Euros at 19. Mm -hmm. Like He's going to come in and immediately be good. So that's what I would go with. But if I'm making the decision, if it's between Bagley and Jackson, I'm always thinking long-term. Always long-term. It's always about the long game. I'm with you, Riley. Got to go Luka Doncic. Thank you for joining the show today. You bet. Yeah, it's bad to have you on. Your first pod ever. That's awesome. Hell yeah, man. Thank you for having me. Yeah. This is so much fun. Yeah, that was a good time, dude. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Riley, for joining the show. We're going to take another quick break before we bring on our Mavericks fans, David Shoemaker and Jason Gallagher. Today's draft class is brought to you by Ladder. If you're looking for life insurance, check out Ladder. It's the quick and easy way to get life insurance online. It's the 21st century. You shouldn't have to wait for weeks to get your life insurance in place. With Ladder Life, there's no commissions, agents, and no policy fees. You can be done in minutes. Visit ladderlife.com NBA and answer a few quick questions to get a free quote. If you like what you see, you can apply and get an instant decision on fully underwritten life insurance in less than 10 minutes. Coverage can start today if you qualify. Ladder provides customers with a quick application process that saves you time and frustration because you answer only the questions that are relevant to you. Coverage is available from $100,000 up to $8 million. Ladder's dynamic life insurance lets you get something in place now and apply for more or decrease your coverage with no penalties or fees. With Ladder Life, you get instant decisions and instant peace of mind. Visit ladderlife.com NBA to get a free quote and get life insurance checked off your list today. And now, let's bring on our Mavericks fans, David Shoemaker and Jason Gallagher. And we're back with our resident Mavericks fans from TheRinger.com. And I'm going to pass this on to you, Charks, because we need to run the triangle right now for some Dallas Mavericks talk. I'm really excited. This is the best thing we've ever done. We're doing Mavs talk. We've got uh, the great David Shoemaker, the art director and host of the uh, Press Box pod with Brian Curtis. Fantastic. Ooh. And then we got producer Jason Gallagher, both from Dallas, the both Mavs fans. Let's talk shop, folks. Let's do it. Let's do this. For the draft stuff, we're looking at probably a poster future stone. Who do you guys want at five? What are you looking for? If we were picking at three, I would be holding out hope that Luka Doncic would fall to three. Picking at five, I'm holding out hope that Jaron Jackson somehow slides to five. My guy. The the Ringer draft mock draft is, you know, one of the great creations, one of the wonders of the modern world. But that said, I was I, I was putting all of my stock in other mock drafts that I saw that had Jaron Jackson like the, the, on lottery day that had Jaron Jackson yeah. at like five, six, seven, eight because people hadn't really dug into him yet. Right. Um, and I was hoping that we were the outlier. Now it seems like a lot of other people have caught up or at least started reading the Ringer mock drafts. <laughs> so they had. <laughs> so he's, he's climbing. He's climbing the charts. But I mean, those are my guys. I don't think there's any way that Lucas slides to five, but there, I guess there's some scenario in which he slides to three and there's a trade or something. I don't know. I mean, yeah, but the, the big rumor is that it's somehow, some way he falls to four. Then the Mavericks would try some uh, extravagant trade um, with Memphis. Well, here's, here's what it is. Yeah, go for they it. They would take Chandler Parsons' contract back. What do you think about that? Goo! I have not... <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, like, that's oh. fine, I guess. I mean, it's not like Barnes. I don't see, like, Barnes being the guy of the future. So I guess it's like, I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah. I, I read something the other day that was like Parsons' contract might technically be the single worst, like, NBA contract ever. Only Only two years left, though. Oh. Only two years left for Chandler Parsons. So yeah. it's painful, but not past the, 2020. So yeah, it's not too bad. The timelines on the Mavs are all messed up. And I, I'm not a I'm not a huge Mobamba fan, but I understand from you experts what the upside is there. But like there's not a lot of guys in this draft that match a Harrison Barnes timeline. Are you even trying to match a Harrison Barnes? Well, that's Barnes the question. Is, no, no, no. is there a timeline? I, I don't I, I think that's an open question. I find yeah. it hard to imagine that that Mark Cuban is not is not trying is not thinking in terms mm. of that timeline. Like he wants to win now, he, you guys think. Sure. Yeah, I've heard I so. I've heard from multiple people that he wants to playoffs next season. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's the thing he really wants to do. Which which is why I think with some of the Carlisle noise, it was like, well, if we're rebuilding, if we're blowing it up, then I don't want to be here, perhaps. Just yeah. theoretically. Mm-hmm. But if you're gonna try to win now, then of course Carlisle doesn't wants to stay. Yeah. I, I forgive me, but like uh with all the mock drafts and all this stuff, I feel like a lot of people have us at Mo Bamba, and I'm just like something about that just does not excite huh. me whatsoever. Totally agree. <laughs> um, and so, Kevin's on Mo Bamba Island. Yeah. Are you Kevin's okay? So wait a minute. All three of you, yeah, don't want Mo Bamba. Charks has Mo Bamba ranked 11th, and both <laughs> of you don't want Bamba either. Well, you s- sell us. Unless you think Bamba well, is Kevin Durant, who's taller and has a better wingspan so us, someday. No, I, like, I, I'm just fascinated, though, that nobody wants Mo Bamba. Like, t- uh, us here. So, okay, here's the thing. With Mo Bamba. Yes. Foundation. Foundationally, here's what he's going to be. A rim protector, 7'10 mm. wingspan, mm-hmm. who anytime he's on the floor, it's going to be tough to score around the rim with his potential mobility, his potential re- uh, shot-blocking prowess. Mo Bamba is going to be a really, really good rebounder and rim protector. Offensively, mm-hmm. space the floor with four shooters around him. I think you're going to have a lob threat, a guy who can finish, a guy who can pass a little bit too, can make some good reads out there on the floor. Yeah. The question with him is going to be on defense, what level does he reach on defensive switches when it comes to defending on the perimeter? I think he's going to be fine. And then offensively, I saw him work out this week, and his shooting mechanics— Oh, the Drew work. Yeah, his shooting mechanics certainly do look improved. He didn't have a great shooting day when I saw him, but the mechanics are significantly better, and they're pretty consistent overall. So with him, it's like you're getting him to be a screening, rim-running guy with the bonus of a shooting ability developing over the next two to three to four years. And he's made great progress in a month and a half since starting his NBA draft training. So Mm. I look at him as somebody who high IQ on and off the court, somebody who— has shown a willingness to learn, really good defensive player, right? potentially great, like a Gobert type. Then offense, he has that rim-running foundation that's great for Rick Carlisle offenses with the potential to be more than that. They could compliment Dennis Smith, obviously, at one guard in the center. Let's talk about Dennis for a second. How do you think about him as a rookie? What was your take on Dennis Smith? I was very positive. I, more than anything, I think for any Mavericks fan that saw this young rookie coming in, rookie point guard, the biggest win would be he and Carlisle got along and uh, yeah. he seemed to listen to Carlisle and Carlisle seemed to trust him a little bit at the <laughs> end of games. And it was like, okay, we'll take that as a W there. <laughs> yeah, and it seemed like even there, I mean, they had a little bit of, you know, they had a few adversarial moments, but it all seemed like relatively low-key or at least in good fun. There was that, what, what was the game at the end of the season where he like got the steal at the half court and yeah. like 
that he was it he like throw the ball off the backboard to himself right. and did a dunk and and I was in <laughs> ringer slack and I was just like all right like start the countdown clock to the one game suspension or whatever and then like <laughs> yeah. five hours later it was like Dennis Smith is too tired to play in the next game the word from Red Carla <laughs> yeah. um, it was fantastic and um, watching him this season especially watching him live you it felt like I mean he really felt like a like a really great eighteen year old college prospect that showed up at the YMCA when a bunch of old men were playing. You know, yeah, he where yeah. he's just like he kinda has to defer, but he's just so much better than them in so all the in better. all like the yeah. the basic ways. I I love him. And I can imagine the DSJ Mobamba connection, but it all it seems very like there's something very like video game creative player about that combo or something. There's, like yeah, I'm, just not, I'm just not I'm not all there. I suppose I suppose he would be like a really good because in a lot of ways if you're talking about when when now you have to think about who is going to be out there with Dirk mm-hmm. and someone like you kind of have to have someone like Mo Bamba. Sure. Other, I mean like you can't. Which one of the other two big guys was like uh, worse defensively? Was it Bagley? DeAndre Bagley. 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 Yeah, Bagley. Bagley. Yeah. Like he, exactly. Like him Bagley's with, the worst though. Him with Dirk would be like a nightmare, right? I mean, yeah, but even Dirk and Mo. I mean, if 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 they somehow got <laughs> Mo to a playable state by the playoffs, I mean, yeah. like, you know, a starting a starting center, at least a, a fifteen minute player in the playoffs, I feel like Bamba and Dirk would get run off the court every night. You know? I mean, I hate to say it, guys, but Dirk in the playoffs did not go well. Yeah, I know that's a, that's the problem. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, Dirk, but Charks, is there anything Bamba can do between now and the draft that can win you over for him? I'm curious. I mean, if they draft him, I'll talk myself into it. Yes, yeah, like he kept it right. <laughs> Kevin like, wanted really to do smart. like a big anti Bamba thing, and I'm like, I gotta take my time back to get Bamba on the mask. I gotta be like, yeah, that's Rudy Gobert. Like, I'll I'll, I'll follow him on whatever. <laughs> Yeah, same. I got one. Uh, I got one question because I've been told I, I was crazy. Um, you know, like I'm, I'm a think outside the box kind of guy. You are, you I've are. talked myself into a lot. I secretly, deep down, I'm like, take Trey Young. Whoa! <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And, no, that and, is a take. Trade Dennis Smith? Uh, no, keep them both. Oh. Let's go. Splash Brothers 2.0. I'm, I'm like, <laughs> I'm, I'm really, really high on Trey Young, and I, I, I just think the way he was able to score and the combined with his usage and that he showed up in that NCAA tournament game, I was just like, the guy's got it mentally, and I believe it. I fully believe it, and I just feel like. I just don't want to be the team that passes up on, on a player like that. Like I'm really, really high on this guy, <laughs> and I'm sorry. I, I think I think that would have the makings of a, a Portland 2.0, Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum. Really, really fun to watch. Great in the regular season, but not enough defense in the backcourt for the playoffs. There is so, a yeah. there is an this is a, a stacked draft in a lot of ways. Yeah. But like, be, but maybe it's just because the Mavs. I've been thinking about the Mavs as a, as a top. You know, uh, having a top pick for so many months. I have so much anxiety about the lottery selections. Yeah. There's a lot of guys who I would love to take at 10 or 11. And Trey Young is one of those guys. Uh, Michael Porter, who I love to death, but like, you know, you got the injury issues. There's a lot of guys who I would feel really cool about the Mavs taking at 10. Like, yeah, you'd almost <laughs> rather be at 10 in a weird way because it's like five is where you really can screw up. 10 is like the gamble, and we are kind of like, oh, I got to. No, see, but what, I, what I'm thinking, though, like if you're at 10, you might draft a guy who falls out of the league. And like I don't have much confidence in the Mavs front office, but at five, the worst case draft guy will be in the league in five ten years. It, <laughs> it, it, it's but, tough because you guys are are at five, and I'm curious if the top four it goes like it does in our mock draft right now on the yeah. rare. Aiton number one, Doncic number two, Jackson number three, Begley number four. I, I want to know who are you guys each taking with that fifth pick? Let's start with you, Charks. I might trade down if I could. 
Oh, you're staying. Stuff. You got to take somebody at five. You have to take somebody have to at five. Gotta stay. Play the game. Okay, I, I'm going to take Miles Bridges. I don't even care. I okay. love Miles Bridges. That's fair. Wow. How about your shoemaker? This is such a hard ex- uh, mental exercise because I have convinced myself that the top four will not go the way that you just said. But uh, if I have to deal in reality right now, yeah, I could talk myself into Bamba. And if not, if you feel good about Michael Porter's health, um, yeah, I really like the idea of of just getting. I mean, kind of going the route that that um, Boston try, meant to do before the season started, even yeah. though they had all those injuries. And just going all in on like rangy forwards and see how many of them you can play at the same time. Mm-hmm. So Porter or play, Porter, Porter, Harry Barnes, sign Jabari Parker. Let's just go. You know, <laughs> oh, God. Uh, I mean, oh. not to a max contract, but you know, let's just like take a flyer <laughs> on it. Yeah. For, trade for, take on Fareed. How about, yeah. you, how about you, Jason? <laughs> oh man. Okay. So as a guy who's not running a team and has literally nothing to lose, let's run that Trey Young. Let's let's oh run it, goodness. baby. Okay, <laughs> but if I actually had any responsibility, I'd probably play it safe and just go with Mo Bamba. But <laughs> I'd just be like, everyone said it was right. Um, but it, you know, as a, as a gambler, as a, as I like to be, I would. I don't know. I just I I like the guy. I yeah. Don't even even if Mo Bamba just is a total bust, when when Kevin O'Connor is running the Knicks in five years, he'll hire you. So there we go. You guys, let's do this. There we go. I would love to run the Knicks. I would love to work for you. If James Dolan ever, if he's a listener of the ring, you, you, you guys could jam. Saying, yeah. You, you yeah, and I Dolan. Would, I would love to. <laughs> yeah. James Dolan, let's start a band. Let's do this. I, I've been wanting to start a band for like the whole decade and I've never done it. Can, can, I, can I ask just one more question of mm-hmm. Charks? Are there any trade scenarios you've heard or trade rumors or anything that like really intrigue you that seem realistic? Well, I mean, the big one, of course, is the Fareed thing. If you take Fareed's contract as a 14th pick, I, that would be incredible. Like, that, to me, is the best case scenario. You get two lottery picks. You get two swings of the dice. Yeah. I think... But the problem is they want to use their captain on players who are good now. So that's how we'll do Those that. players never come. <laughs> when do we like, ever yeah, get to play? They have they to make it learn. happen. And by the way, all the players, almost every player that they've that they offered a max contract to and, and missed on, yeah, has been crap too. Yeah, that's my take. Is that as as, as much as we've missed on players, players have missed on us. Well, well like they we almost signed Hassan Whiteside, <laughs> Mike Conley, and Nick in one offseason. Like, imagine that team going forward. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, I want to chat with you guys more. But unfortunately, we're out of time. Sadly. Yeah, we'll come back on when yes. the Mavs are in the finals next year. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Jason, and Trey Young is leading the way. Jason, David, thank you guys so much. <laughs> Bye, guys. Thanks. Thanks. Talk. It was fun. And now we have talking Charlotte Hornets. This guy used to produce the Ringer NBA show. Yes. He has moved on from us. Yes, he's now he's the host of the One Shining Podcast with Mark Titus. It's Tate Frazier! What's up, Kevin O'Connor? What's up, Jonathan Charks? It's, it's so hey, weird man. to be in this position, you know, talking on this side of the microphone with you guys, but I'm happy to be here. I have no notes. You guys prepare so much for this podcast, as I know. Uh, you have all this stuff mapped <laughs> not, not out. Like, what, you, what, you, what you want to talk about? And I, and I am just coming in here off the cuff. I just want to talk about the Hornets because I'm excited for the first time in a while. Because they hired Mitch Kupchak really? as new general manager, right, Tate? Yes, because, you know, people are, you know, they were upset about this because they're like, Mitch is old, you know, he's past his prime, he's with the Lakers for, you know, 17 years, so long. But all I would say to that is, Michael Jordan, as we know, has been running the show in Charlotte for quite some time, since he was, you know, basically since day one, since he was the owner, and he's needed someone to check him, and he's got the cup check. The, he's got the, the cup, cup check. check. Yeah. It's, this is the one thing that he's always needed, like when he's sitting in a room and he has the 11th pick and he's thinking to himself... You know what? Screw it. I should just take Grayson Allen. I know he's a winner. <laughs> you know, 
you need the cup check where he's like, no, Michael, you don't want Grayson Allen. I know that you think he's fiery. You do not want to pick him. And he's like, okay, you're right. I'll walk it back. That's what that's what they needed in Charlotte. Hey, who do you want at 11? Yeah, who, who should they take then? When cup check checks Michael Jordan. The other thing that Michael Jordan really wants is to get rid of money. You know, he doesn't like paying people. That's that's one of the biggest <laughs> things that Michael Jordan has. So he, he wants to get rid of all these guys. He has a bunch of huge contracts, which he's not happy about. So he, bro- he brings in cup check. And what I think is going to happen is they want to dump these contracts. I, I think they want to dump Dwight at some point. I, I think they may, you know, start the season with him, whatever. But that 11 pick, I don't know if they want to pay a rookie you know, whatever the three million dollars or whatever it would be, I don't think they want to do that because then they might get in the luxury tax. Right, yeah, they're right they're, there. They're pretty close. They're right now, they have one hundred seventeen point nine million in guaranteed salary already for, for next year before even before their pick, before bringing back any like Travion Graham or whoever. For like, what? Like for yeah, what? For what? Like, yeah. what? Like what? Like why? Who are they paying all this money to? Is what I'm saying. And I'm so. I know that Jordan is looking at this and he's like, "We got to figure this out right now. We got to, we got to, we got to move some money around." And they're not going to sign NCW back, right? He's not going to come back. I don't think Graham might no. come back. We'll see what happens with that. So they have to get a backup point guard for Kimba. They have to get a power forward because Frank Kaminsky is, you know, averages like ten points per game. He's their starting power forward. Frank, Frank Kaminsky, who, by the way, they they said no to four first round picks that, that's the perfect example draft, like Danny yeah. Ainge looks like a genius just because Michael Jordan <laughs> thought that he was getting fleeced in the deal you know it was so it was too yeah. good to be true so Michael Jordan's like I'm not going to take the deal Gotta because Frank the tank, what, what does Danny know that I don't about Frank Kaminsky <laughs> let me take him here um, he needs more big 10 power forward yeah never it, happened never happened and, and that's who Michael Jordan I think wants to take number 11 I really do think Miles Bridges if he's there that is that is a Michael Jordan pick if I've ever seen one. He'll take Miles Bridges. He's he probably in his mind says to himself, Miles Bridges is the best player in the draft. That's what Michael Jordan is thinking. Now Mitch Kupchak is thinking, I need to get rid of money. I gotta dump some of these guys. I might even trade this pick because I don't want to pay some guy. So he might just take the best talent on the board and try to trade him. Like if Gilgis Alexander is there, maybe he takes him and is like, let's try to get this shipped out somewhere, maybe to Cleveland. I don't know. I I feel like Mitch Kupchak's going to trade that pick. He wasn't really trying to show his hand at the press conference, but I don't foresee them signing someone because they don't want to spend the money. If they keep the pick, though, Charks, I know you wrote about this Miles Bridges this week on the ringer.com. How would he fit into Charlotte? What is it about Miles Bridges that would make him a good fit at 11 or even a potential steal? Well, I think, I think he'd fit anywhere because he's a good shooter and a good athlete. He's a pretty smart player. And I don't think Charlotte really has any piece to fit around right now. It's all kind of in the air. <laughs> Hey, I'm curious about Malik Monk. What do you think about him this year? What happened? I think Monk and Bacon are a part of the future. I think they, they're they both going to get more playing time. I think there's like a little bit of a split regime there with some of these young guys. Like I know that they really like Hernan Gomez, which I do too. I think he's a good center. I think Zeller, they kind of just kind of bite the bullet on Zeller. They already paid him. I think he has three more years. Three years left, no, yeah. no one's going to take that contract. So you might it's as not well, even that bad of a deal. I mean, it maxes out at $15.4 million in the final year. That's not too bad. I'll take it. And maybe yeah. the Pacers want him at some point. Maybe next year. Yeah. We'll, we'll hold on to oh, him. Oh, even this summer. Very much the Pacers pick for sure. Yeah, yeah exactly. Got a lot of caps. Like if if Larry Bird shows up one day at the facility and it's like, what do you guys think about Cody Zeller? They'll make the trade. You know what I mean? That's all it takes. Like I will pay him to come in and say that just so he'll get off the Hornets. But he <laughs> might. Any, who do you want on the Hornets? Is there anybody you want to keep? I think Kimba is you know coming into the last year of his deal. I think he's the perfect person to trade off and get him a better opportunity. I think to he, where if I'm the Cavs, I think to myself. What has LeBron liked in the past? Like, I have to entice LeBron in free agency at this point. He likes Shabazz Napier. Who is the all-star version of Shabazz Napier, mm-hmm. Kimball Walker? 
We just try to make that trade. That's the selling point. That's the selling point. And LeBron's like, yeah, he won a title. I watch college basketball. Sure. He's a little bit like Michael Jordan. You know, he just bases everything on college and thinks <laughs> that's going to stick up. That's why Jeff Green's on his team right now. So he, he, he makes this trade. He makes this trade for Kimba Walker. Gets They make the trade. They get Kimba in Cleveland. The eighth pick is what the Hornets have. And they had the 11th pick. Ooh, I think I, like that, I think both of those picks, at eight, you take the best player available, which is, I mean... I would love for Sexton to be there. I think that would be a great pick. I think he'll be there. If, I think he'll be there. If Sexton's yeah. there, then he you might just, be there at eleven, to be honest with you. Well, at eleven, I think they're going to take Robert Williams. Okay. And I think that Cupcheck oh, yeah. loves Robert Williams. He was at that game when they, you know, trounced Carolina in that second round. Oh game. yeah, he killed you. Yeah, he right. killed him in that yep. game, and so did Tyler Davis. And I think after that game, Cupcheck even said something about Robert Williams playing out of position, which is what he did in college. He yes. played the center position. Yep. He's going to play the power forward. They don't think Frank's the power forward of the is, future. Is he, he going to play power forward? I think he I is. Know. I don't know. You think he's going to play the five? I, I think Robert Williams is going to be rim, just a five, rim running five. Like Capella? Just, yeah, roll down the lane. Yeah, yeah. Like, like a Capella I'm fine with that, yeah. too. And yeah. Maybe Monk plays the point guard at this point. I have heard that he wants to be a two guard. Like he's reluctant to almost be, take on more playmaking responsibility because he wants to shoot. Because he wants to shoot exactly. I want him to shoot. Yeah, exactly. I don't and understand. That's what he's best at. Yeah, right. They, they, but when they brought him in last year, basically Clifford had decided for whatever reason he was going to be hip and new and play him like James Harden at the point guard. And he's—I yeah. don't think he's ready for that. Those, it, that, like, he needed Fox. It, by and then him. he super glued him to the bench for the rest of the damn season. Yes. Very disappointing. And Bacon. I want Bacon to play more. I don't know how you guys feel about Dwayne Bacon, but I have a lot of faith. In Florida State basketball players. Yeah, I think he can do it. He's got a great last name. Yeah. Great NBA body. Great NBA body. I think he can certainly be. They're all working out this summer, too, in Charlotte, which is, I think, I don't know, for the first time, it feels like they're a little bit of a college team. They basically are trying to model themselves after the Spurs. They're trying to, like, Michael Jordan basically wants to run a better college version of Carolina basketball to spite Carolina basketball for not letting him be on that SI cover in 1982. You know, he's like, he's got, vend- he's got vendettas for days, you know, so he wants to prove that he's the best college program. So he brings in Borrego, who's like a college coach, and it, and it all sets up. Hey, when is the next time they make the playoffs? Give me a prediction. The what? next Hornets playoff is when? I think they make the playoffs next season. I really do. Oh, even if they they trade Kemba like you wanted to, even then, or if, if, they, they, if they keep everybody, if they, if they keep everybody and run it back, which I think is what they're going to have yeah. to do, just because Cleveland's not going to make that trade, just because for fear that LeBron does go somewhere else, mm-hmm. they want to go young, and it's uh, probably bigger fish to go for too than Kemba. Absolutely, you know? like in my mind, Kimba, CJ, CJ McCollum, Kimba is Damian a perfect Lillard. fit for mm-hmm. the Cavaliers. In everyone else's mind that has a brain and watches basketball, they're like, "There's no way that will happen," <laughs> you know. But in my mind, I just want Kimba to have a chance to go try to win a title at some point. So I'm I'm trying to will him to Cleveland, basically, just for you, Kimba. Doing it for Kimba. Can I ask you about yeah. all of these these guys? So Borrego, I don't know much about the guy. He comes to Charlotte, gets hired as the head coach. I mean, he says he wants to score quickly and he wants to shoot within the first eight seconds of the shot clock. Hmm. Kimba Walker and Dwight Howard have never, ever been able to do that in their entire lives, nor will they be able to. Dwight Howard yeah, wants to Yeah, they back- the first to do that. <laughs> so, like, that means they have to make a trade if that's the way Borrego's going to play, and that seems to be the philosophy Cupcheck wants to run. So all that's to be said is, if you're another one of these teams that wants a veteran piece, like if you are the Mavs or whoever and you want to make a real run, why aren't you calling the Hornets to try to get Kemba or Dwight? I think they have value. Kemba does. Yeah, certainly Walker has value. Dwight Howard wasn't horrific last year. He wasn't horrible. This is contract. He, he, high. Yeah. So high. He got a he got one third team all NBA vote, folks. 
got one. One vote. <laughs> we, we're going to find out soon who that was. I can't wait because I'm going to send that person a, a, a thank you basket for all they did for us. Yeah, the problem is the salary of $23.8 million, but it's expiring. Right. It's just, just one year left. Yeah, you know, dump if you, him. If you, if you want to bring in Dwight for one year, perfectly fine. But you're right that those players do clash with the style of play that he wants to play. Yeah. Tate, last question. Hornets in the clock 11 pick. They're keeping it. They're not trading it. They're willing to go into the luxury tax with this draft selection. Who's the selection? Mikel Bridges, who's somehow on the board. I love it. I love it. Tate, thank you so much for joining the show, man. Appreciate it, guys. Coming on, Tate. Of course. Draft class. What a time. Thank you again to Tate for joining the show to talk Hornets and to Jason Gallagher and David Shoemaker on Mavericks and then Riley McAtee on the Kings. Now it's time for grades. Isaac, what up? What up, what up, what up? Jonathan Charks, let me start with you. Great Mavs talk today. As a producer, I always love it when you personalize your analysis and tell anecdotes. Also, you said Jaron Jackson over DeAndre Ayton. That's the kind of catering to your producer take I love. Uh, plus, you said you'd take Miles Bridges at five if he was available. Honestly, at this point, you're really, just, you're really just forcing my hand. You get an A plus for your um, pro Michigan State takes. Well, Tom Izzo was terrible this year. How about that? Yeah, Tom Izzo was really, was really, really terrible. On a different note, Kevin O'Connor. Hi. My grade for you today is very unrelated to the podcast. You guys know I love NBA desktop. I spend an unhealthy amount of time with Jason Concepcion in my daily life as a producer of Binge Mode. The last episode featured an investigation into the Kevin O'Climber story, a.k.a. Gategate. Um, honestly, after watching that, I'm uncertain as to whether I should believe your story anymore. Are you kidding me? Shout out to Dylan, Tanya, and Mose, by the way. Uh, great job on that video. Kevin, you get a D minus. Listen, it happened. It really happened. And sure, I, and, but and did I, it happen and, exactly and, as you said? Yes, it happened exactly as I said. Was there a gate or was there no yeah, gate? Listen, in that video, how many water bottles were that, in your backpack? That gate comment was taken out of context. The mm. full comment was there was no gate to go through, and they cut it as no gate because I misspoke the full. Oh, quote it's they. Some, it's they. Yes, they cut it. Yes, okay, it's did. their the, fault. The full quote was there's no gate. There's no gate to go through. There was no gate to go through because at this gate. <laughs> there was a My white goodness. button to press and I pressed this white button it literally says press button to open gate I pressed this button and it didn't work or I was doing it incorrectly so that's when I decided you know what I gotta hop this fence because my driver's already here but so, what about the laptop theory? What about the water but why, be, why did you fall on your back? Be, why, why is the patch of grass so be, small? Be, <laughs> because <laughs> Because I didn't throw my bag. I didn't want to throw my bag because I didn't want to break my laptop. That's the truth. I didn't want to break my laptop. And the other reason was because I knew that if I were to fall, slip, I would have cushion on the fall. And that's exactly what happened. But then you would also fall on your laptop. No, I wouldn't because the laptop was the part that's closest to my back and within the bag. Then there's a bunch of water bottles that I had to take back to my hotel room like a nerd. Mm, doesn't and, check and out. Were, listen, I still, listen, I'm still skeptical. Listen, it was a perfectly executed plan. And you know what? If we get that security footage and we're working on it, you're going to laugh at me because it's so stupid. Right. I look so dumb. I'll give you extra credit. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll raise your grade up if we do get the uh, security footage. I, w- I want A pluses forever if it's if we get the security footage. Sure, whatever you say. Well, I'll take the D, D minus for now, though. It's okay. Well, that was fun. Jonathan, thank you for calling in from Dallas. Yeah, it's fun as always. And Isaac, even though you're questioning the validity of my story, (laughs) thank you as well for producing. Of course. From here in beautiful Los Angeles, thank you so much for listening to The Ringer NBA Show. Please write The Ringer NBA Show five stars on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. For extra credit, please check out The Ringer's 2018 NBA Draft Guide at nbadraft.theringer.com. 
Special shout out to everybody who joined the show today. Jason, David, Riley, Tate. Super grateful that they all joined the show. Next week, we're going to have a couple more special guests, not including Elon Musk, unfortunately, but I'm going to try to get them. Well, thank you so much for listening. Have fun. Peace out. Peace out.